0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Previously on Who Shat on the Floor at My
2: Wedding. What about the photos that the photographer didn't think were good enough to send to me? That could be a whole other load of evidence. And I found a couple of interesting photos that I want to show to you now just to see what you think.
3: (gasps) (laughs) Welcome to episode eight of Who Shat on the Floor
2: at My Wedding. I went through and zoomed in. On the shoes and the feet of all of our guests. Are you saying that you spent three hours looking for skid marks on people's shoes? That's exactly what I'm saying, Helen. And luckily I did because I've unearthed a pretty interesting photographic lead. I mean, I think we can all agree that it's a very dirty shoe.
1: It's a very dirty business.
2: But it's a very dirty patch, is what it <laughs> is. It's a patch. Certainly not the kind of state of shoe that you'd want
1: to wear to someone's wedding. It looks like he's run across the fields and there were no fields. This is Amsterdam. He's gone from a bicycle across the the, the gangway up a boat and he's been on a boat. Like he's not been running across fields, for goodness sakes.
3: This photo is up on our Instagram page, who shat on the floor at my wedding, along with other evidence from this episode.
2: Well, I just wonder that if um, you'd noticed that you'd walked through a shit uh, and then you you had to try and clean it up, but you sort of didn't have the the tools or the props to do it properly, Mm. I wonder maybe this could result in this kind of stain. Okay,
3: I think we're looking at three scenarios here. One, this patch is actually from something wrong in the image Mm. or a light reflection or something. Two... The stain is from something non-fecal, which is irrelevant to us. Or three, we've hit the jackpot and this is the person who skidded through the faeces as per Emma's witness the statement from episode two. The thing that
4: threw me was that, apart from obviously someone shut on the floor in the wedding, was that the culprit had actually skidded in the last one that they had just dropped.
3: Did any other guests' shows have... Fecal matter <laughs> or discolorations or patches on them? From my quick first glance, no. From your quick three-hour first glance? Okay. It's suspicious. It's suspicious. We know that for sure. That's a fact.
2: It's suspicious but inconclusive.
3: I think it's pretty obvious who we need to call to ask for help.
4: My name's Jill Millington. I'm a forensic scientist. Um I've been working in the industry for about 26 years. I've been involved in the multidisciplinary forensic investigation of probably hundreds of major and critical incidents, um, either as lead scientist or in collaboration with other people. I report all aspects of forensic biology, so that includes scene examination, uh, bloodstain pattern analysis which is known as BPA, um, luminol application, body fluid analysis and DNA interpretation. What on earth inspired you to get involved in our podcast? It's kind of a a bit of a strong word, inspired. (laughs) I genuinely feel that when you bump into people, you either get a good or a bad feeling about something. And when I read the email that you sent, I thought to myself, do you know what, This this is a good project, as much as it is complete and utter nonsense. I thought to myself, you know, I, I spend probably 90% of my life working on very very serious issues and I felt that why not spend 10% of my life working on something that actually could make people laugh. So that's the reason why I'm involved basically. That is beautiful.
3: <laughs> <not>. It is. <laughs> and also that you've just you've just on 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 you know a recording dedicated 10% of your life to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm most
4: excited about. Maybe insert professional life, for
3: us. <laughs> Spare time. Yeah, no, that's fine. 10 percent's okay. We, we can live with that. Isn't it?
4: That's a legal contract now, isn't that? If it's yeah, it is yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was provided with a photograph of, um, of guests presumably dancing at, at, at the event um, and it included a particular individual who... Um, is is wearing a pair of dark leather probably black brogue style shoes so all we do have is um an individual's dark shoe with what appears to be a, a sort of brownish discoloration on the toe it's difficult really to make any sort of um substantive conclusions about this 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 discoloration because it's not even clear whether or not it's um, it's actual physical material. It could potentially be an artefact of the photograph if there had been any glare or anything like that. And if we take the absolutely unsubstantiated um, view that it is actually material, then um, whether it's faeces or, or really anything else, your guess is as good as mine really. He could have just literally dropped a canopy onto his shoe and, and it left this kind of mark, but it really is very, very limited. But do you think, so you, could it be faeces? We can't rule out that it could be faeces. Oh, no, I mean, that's an absolute classic kind of prosecution bias question, really. The fact that we can't rule out the possibility that it could be faeces. And the answer to that question, of course, is you're absolutely right. I can't. But on the alternative and in the, you know, from a defence point of view, then to put equity into this kind of um, investigation, we cannot say at all what the heck that is. It could absolutely be nothing, basically.
3: But it could be faeces, is what you're saying.
4: Yes, and of course that would be something that perhaps as lead investigator you you would hope to sort of latch on to. Apologies, Joe. I'm just going to put you on hold for a minute.
3: I know what you're saying is important, but I also have something very important to say about the patch on the shoe. It's not necessarily just about the patch on the shoe anymore. It's actually more about who is wearing the shoe with the patch. This man attended the wedding, but not as a friend or a family member. Not even just a random guest. He was at the wedding because he was hired to be one of the entertainers. And that is why we will now, going forward, refer to this man as the entertainer. He proceeded to stay on the boat at 9.30 when we dropped the other entertainers off and he proceeded to stay on board to enjoy the party. Karen and Helen received several complaints from other members at the wedding about the entertainer. It got to the point where Karen and Helen had to make an actual complaint to the other entertainers about the entertainer, about what he got up to that night when he decided to stay on the boat. He, uh, let's just say he didn't make a lot of friends that evening. Anyway, Joe, thanks for holding. Um, back to what we were saying.
2: But with your opinion, um, would you say it's worth our while to get this individual in for serious questioning and to assess his shoes?
4: Well, you could do. I mean, that's obviously, I I can't really advise you on how you progress the investigation as such, but all I can say is that...
3: That sounds like a yes to me. Karen, make the call. Here's a quick disclaimer before the entertainer answers the phone. We have edited his voice slightly because we're a little bit scared of him and we don't want to get into trouble.
0: Hey. Okay. How are you doing? Sorry, is this a good time to have a
2: quick chat? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So we've had one witness statement uh from um, one of our bridesmaids who said that um they saw the turd on the floor and it looked like someone had accidentally trodden in in part of the turd. And we just wanted to know um if you had things we've been gone through all the photos and we've seen um that on one of your shoes it looks a bit dirty and we're just wondering it could be a very interesting lead that you possibly like walked through without realizing and that would actually give us a lot more information basically the photo looks like it could either be a weird reflection of the light because it's very very unclear but we just wanted to ask did your shoe look dirty at all or did did it look like you'd trodden anything after the wedding
3: no no
2: um
3: no, I would definitely have noticed if there were dirt on the shoe. If I would, I would
5: have called earlier already.
2: But, um, yeah, if you if you do have a look at your shoe and you're like, oh my God, there was something on there, just let us know, and otherwise we will shut down this lead.
5: I uh, wish I knew some more, but...
2: Um, if you hear anything else from anyone else, please let us know, and thank you so much for being uh, interviewed.
0: Good luck. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
3: Cheers, bye. Karen, thank you for making that a very awkward but very important call. I think um, it took you quite some time to get the entertainer on the phone. It appeared that he may have been blocking you. Anyway, all I know is that we're not done with this man yet. But let's go back to our forensic scientist, Joe Millington, because, you know probably shouldn't be keeping a forensic scientist waiting too long. Oh yes, what techniques can you use generally to analyse faecal matter that I might be able to take on?
4: Sure, so I mean it sounds kind of um, stating the obvious but the first test that we apply to any kind of suspected faecal material is an observation test. So we look at it, literally, wearing protective equipment, etc., And we assess whether or not it has the visual appearance of faeces. And if it does, that's a tick in the box. And we move on to the next test, which is the odour test. So if it smells like faeces and it looks like faeces, guess what, folks? It's probably faeces. But we can't stop there as forensic scientists. We have to apply some sort of analytical test. And the test that we apply examines faecal matter for the presence of this um, chemical called urobilinogen which is in faecal matter. Interesting um, and then so urobilogen what how do, you, how do you say that? I don't know don't make me say it yeah, again no, don't it's say a it. really complicated No word. so the, that thing
3: that chemical. We um, spend
4: probably maybe two or three training sessions literally just pronouncing that word so I think if you haven't really attended those training sessions it would be it would be cruel of me, really, to make you say it yourself.
3: Thank you. OK, well, I'll let you know when I have attended those. Um, but for now, let's just call it the chemical. Um, and as the chemical, I know that you said that it's very unlikely that um, so far after a crime you could detect that chemical using that test. What are the chances that I could take every pair of shoes of every wedding guest that attended hmm. and do that chemical test um, via you of course you'd have to pull some strings for us to just submit 100 pairs of shoes to a lab yes. and then um, obviously um, what are the chances that two years after the fact we could actually trace that chemical and therefore know that someone at the wedding had stepped in faecal matter slim
4: we couldn't make any really meaningful conclusions from any findings that we got we could just basically say 10% 20% Zero percent of those shoes have feces on them, but we couldn't pinpoint it to when that feces was deposited.
3: So that means that you know, like with bones or tree trunks, you can determine the age of them. You can't do that with feces. You can't. There's no test you can do to to um, say how old the fecal matter is. Precisely. That sounds like a real gap in the market for us to move on to.
4: <laughs> the development of a test that could sort of specifically um, determine when something was deposited, Um, and I use something meaning faeces, or blood, or saliva, or cells, or absolutely anything that we look at in forensic science, you'd be basically, that wedding would have been on your own yacht. You wouldn't have been having to hire a yacht, you would have had a whole Mm. fleet of yachts. So it's oh like God. the it's like the holy grail of, of forensic science.
3: So we're wasting our time working on this podcast is what you're saying. We should actually just be working on this test that will make yeah. us all rich.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean it probably take a good afternoon, so don't expect really quick <laughs> results with this. I mean there's been a lot of like incredible minds working on this for for probably decades.
3: Helen and Karen are actually the victims here. So, um, if you were to if you were to say something to them as victims of this crime, what would you say to them?
4: I would probably say um, on a on a scale of one to ten, the, the the kind of the 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 significance of this case is probably on a bigger scale quite small. So, probably get over yourselves. There's <laughs> a poop. <laughs>
2: Joe, I just yeah, want sorry. to say here that I, I'm actually, you know, I feel like I've got a bit of a trauma from this. Do um, you? Oh, well, event. okay,
4: I, I apologize.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a mutilated body versus a shit on the floor at your wedding. I see your point. Yes. I do get it. Yes. I get it. Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I would love to know,
2: honestly, what your initial impression of us as an investigative team
4: is. Um, okay, well, I don't know. Haphazard?
5: hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
3: here's a cool fact a crocodile
5: can't stick out
3: its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states
4: So, the first question that I asked during my kind of instruction was um well, first of all, were there any animals at the wedding?" I felt that was a really important thing to to understand. You probably asked the same question yourself actually because the the anticipation is that if there had have been an animal there that had been sort of wandering around, potentially it could have." you know, left a little present on the floor of the bathroom and we wouldn't have known about it. So I think that was important to, to to understand that. Based on the witness statements, we it sounds like we can't rule out
2: that this could be animal.
4: We can't exclude that this is animal faeces on the basis of our observations or and in the absence of any test and we can't do any DNA analysis. So I suppose back to your original question, it's kind of meaningless really.
2: <laughs> okay, well that's great
3: to know um, That's really good that we're moving forward with um, the evidence <laughs> That's lovely Okay,
4: okay cool. Perfect, but well Thank you, you so luck.
3: much Joe. You are amazing no I think it is pretty clear what we need to do now
1: Why are we going to the zoo?
3: Because that's where the animals live, Helen
2: we have to go to the zoo. We have to lay our eyes on animals that we think could have been capable of either swimming up to the boat and then climbing up onto the deck of the boat, scrambling downstairs, defecate on the floor, scrambling back up the stairs, diving back into the mirror and back to wherever it lives. Or alternatively...
3: The animal may have boarded the boat when the boat stopped at 9.30 to drop off the tired and mature guests. And actually, may I add that two of the witnesses that we have interviewed over the course of this podcast have said, that really looked like dog poo. Are you sure there weren't any dogs on the boat? This is a lead, Helen. We have to chase this lead.
1: Well, uh, To be thorough in the investigation.
2: We're, we're
3: we a thorough investigative team.
2: So,
1: OK, so the idea is to try and eliminate the fact that it was an animal, but I don't know what that's got to do with the zoo, because oh, they're right, all locked okay. up. It's like saying, I need to find a suspect, let's go to the prison and see who could have escaped from the prison and got onto our boat. That's actually then- a really
2: good idea. We will <laughs> go to the prison next. <laughs> I
1: can tell Helen's a little bit unsure,
2: so what I have done this week is I've done a little bit of research to see what precedents there are for animals climbing aboard various boats. And it's actually surprising how many incidences there are. So I just want to get your opinions on a few of the cases that have happened in the past. You're going to love this one. It's entitled, the video on YouTube, it's actually got a lot of hits. It's got uh, nearly 3 million hits. But the title is Huge Sea Lions Spotted Hanging Out on a Boat in Olympia. And this is a perilous situation. See what you think about it. Here
1: we go.
0: <gasps> oh. oh my God. Oh my goodness.
1: That's bigger than I thought it would be. I think it is. is that a seal? Is that a tube? It's a
2: sea lion, too, sea lions. Oh
1: my god, they're massive. They're gonna sink that boat. <laughs> is the boat cast adrift? <laughs> is someone in that boat a human? They're driving it, yeah are they humping are they actually they're humping are they having a boat? Six? what's going they're on not having sex what's the you, you never I don't watch animal porn Karen yeah what's
2: going <laughs> so they're not on top of each it's other like oh shit maybe they are it's, it's porn Karen no, they're, they're just, humping they're not they're not humping <laughs> they porn slash horror movie <laughs> what's going on I'm sorry they're not they're not I don't think he's on top of that this one. should
1: come with a warning that is disgusting. Yeah, I'm not
2: into
1: that. <laughs> no, Karen, we're
2: not. No, that's too far. Yeah. Not yeah, not. that actually is borderline pornographic.
5: I'm we, sorry
1: about that. We would have noticed if there were two fucking seals on the, on the
5: bunch. <laughs> <laughs> are we even going to solve this do you know crime? I, do you know what? It's only
1: now, at this point in the podcast, you've had that thought. Do you know what I mean? I what mean, are we doing? We've crossed the
2: line multiple times but yeah. this as really something. Uh, I did some actual research and I checked the Netherlands um, Ocean Society's uh, statistics about the temperature of the IJsselmeer on the day of our wedding. And actually what I found, it was
1: very hot around that time, wasn't it? Was it, it not a was, heat wave? There was a heat wave before and then on the day itself, it was not a heat wave.
2: It was the year of heat waves, many heat waves. and as a result, we had a peak, almost one of the highest ever record temperatures of the ocean. We were so lucky. Did you want me to give you the statistics about the uh, ocean temperature of the ISIL where we were? I'd love to Rip hear this. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> So the average water temperature in Amsterdam in August overall from all of the years that this temperature has been recorded is 19 degrees in August. Okay. So the very peak, the highest on record temperature in Amsterdam in August has been 21.4 degrees. Who wants to guess what the temperature was on the day of our wedding? 21.3. No, close though. 21.2. No, this is boring. 20.4 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So all I'm saying, just a little fact for you to have in the back of your mind when we go to the zoo tomorrow. That the the, water was warm. The water was warm. Therefore, could it lure in some more exotic creatures than what is native to the Amsterdam waters?
3: So I'm now supposed to know between now, 10 to 8 at night, Mm -hmm. and tomorrow when we go to the zoo, 11 a.m., I'm supposed to just gain an understanding of what types of animals live in 20.4 degree water. (laughs) I'm not a fucking whatever the type of
2: person would be that needs to do that. No, that's why we've got a professional expert. Who? Dr Cecil Sarabian, who just happens to be one of the world's leading cognitive ecologists. She spent years studying primates' response to faecal matter. So I would say we've pretty much got the world's best monkey poop expert on board for a podcast.
1: I mean, she's not coming with us. is
2: she? She's in Japan as well,
3: so we're going to have to call her. It's going to be midnight there. Are you
2: going
1: to call her? Are you going to call her while we're at the... Guys, we need to calm down. We're going to
2: go to the view. We're going to do our own feel. We're going to look at all the animals. We're going to report back to Dr. Sarabi and then she's going to tell us what's what. But at least we've... Yes. You know, the detective has seen at hand these animals looking at their fecal matter. Let's see what her gut feeling says. Yep. Oh,
1: so you're going to go... You're going to assess the situation. Then she... Is going to hear your your conclusions. I'm going to present my findings to her, and she's going to a scientist. And she's going
3: to an animal scientist. And then she, she's going to listen to what I have to say <laughs> about the animal kingdom. <laughs> I, I have not been nervous this whole time, but suddenly knowing that I've got an, a looming presentation
2: to the chief of animal science. What are you talking about? You've not been nervous. You've been nervous. I haven't been
1: nervous once.
2: You've been Never. so insecure throughout the whole investigation. Insecure, maybe.
1: You but are put on the spot a little bit. It's like, right, I always here.
3: achieve, I always come through and I, I perform, but
2: I don't know where I can pull this kind of shit from. <laughs> She's given us a little bit of direction um, of how to approach the zoo tomorrow and certain sort of categories of species that we should be focusing our efforts on. Uh, gibbons, spider monkeys, crested macaques... And a nocturnal species, the mouse lemur. and then she says good luck at the zoo.
1: So is the idea to go to the zoo, give Lauren a crash course so that she can form her own opinion and then they can talk as almost equals when they are, you know, comparing notes of what they think happened on the day.
2: It's a bit like a lineup, really. A lineup of suspects. But from the other. I would kingdom. say it's
3: more like the coming together of two great minds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what, you and the chimpanzee? Do we have to wear khaki? Yes. Okay. <gasps> Haven't I mean, you got those things? You, you remember we
3: went into the rainforest and you had those leech socks. You could
1: like wear those Yes, I've
2: seen your leech
3: socks <laughs> you, actually,
1: Karen. Wear those leech socks tomorrow. Why do
3: you own leech socks? Well, I had... You
2: were going for a walk in the Amsterdam park and you wore leech socks. I didn't realise they were... I thought they were waterproof um, gaiters and then I realised I put on leech socks to go outside in Amsterdam and it wasn't my best in a hour. City. In a city, yeah. I was yes. wearing leech socks out. I think there's a lot of
3: opportunity in the zoo visit. We're going to really get progress. We're going to make progress in the
2: case tomorrow. Stay positive, Helen. To be quite honest, just from a production point of view, I'm hoping that we don't progress tomorrow uh, because I think it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. We're going to have to change the title of our podcast from who shat on the floor at my wedding to what shat on the floor at my wedding. I think the chances of us solving the crime tomorrow at a zoo...
3: (laughs) A very, very, very low. <laughs>
5: um,
3: we've just entered the zoo. Um, Karen has loaded a map on her phone. We originally tried to find a map, um, but it wasn't where the woman at the entrance said it was. Um, I thought a place like the zoo would be foolproof because it's supposed to be um, children-friendly,
2: but not the case. Speaking of children, um, we seem to be the only two adults without children. Oh, no, there's another couple there. That makes me feel better. Um, So, yeah, we... uh we look a little bit suspicious. I think whenever you're recording in an area where there's children, you look um, like you're up to no good, unless you look professional, which we don't. So I'm a little bit... I think we've got to keep our voices a little yeah. lower than usual.
3: I think we're just going to have to pretend like we've lost our child um, and the child is somewhere that
2: we can't find right now. So, Bobby, Billy... Um, sorry, are we a re- lesbian item now? I have taken over Helen's role. <laughs> Speaking of which, we should probably explain and um, why it's just uh, you and me today. Yes, yep. um, Helen had a bit of a change of heart in, you know, feeling this was a good direction to head in for the investigation. She didn't think it was fruitful. <laughs> She didn't use that word, but I interpret it as it is, uh, fruitful. She also has a proper job and um, thought it was probably more important to uh, pay the bills rather than um, yeah. go to the zoo. Prioritise work, she said. Right,
3: shall we head to the primates? Let's go to the primates. Because our animal scientist
2: advised us to
3: focus on animals whose faecal matter most closely resembles human faecal matter. And that would, most certainly, be the monkeys. <gasps> That's a monkey.
2: names he's macaque. Yeah, there he is. <gasps> oh, God. Oh, he oh, doesn't he looks, look hippie. <laughs> he looks really angry. <laughs> he looks fired up. So let's just describe this creature. Gosh. Oh, God, he's not hippie. He is. Oh, God. He's, he's sitting down on. in the sun, but he's getting very cross with the flies, and he just caught one, Mr Miyagi-style, very angrily in the air. He's got a very got pink one leg face. <laughs> he's, he's got a leg up. He's looking at his leg. He's burrowing into the fur on his leg looking for fleas. He's looking around like he's a bit suspicious, doesn't want to be watched. He's got his back to us, actually. I think he looks a bit guilty. He does, he doesn't want to confront us. He's not giving us eye contact, which is what you would expect from someone that is innocent. (laughs) And he's
3: scratching something on the wall. He's giving us a
2: look. I think he's writing a message to us. He's just climbed,
3: he's just scaled the wall. He can definitely scale a boat if he just scaled that wall. He's got
2: some kind of nut, some kind of acorn, and he's rubbing it aggressively against the wall. Also interesting, we're in the enclosure, which is surrounded by a moat, which suggests this is the prevention measure so he doesn't escape because otherwise it's Head pretty he just cool up here and go across yeah. the water.
3: Look, it says here on this plaque that they, and I quote, like to take a refreshing dip on hot summer days. So they're not adverse to swimming in the summer. The enclosure is surrounded by water, and your wedding took place just after a heatwave. This is pretty shocking.
2: Also, the, there's some like trees with um, little wooden ladders swinging between them so you can have a bit of fun, but the highest point of the tree is actually very close to one of the normal trees outside of the <laughs> enclosure, which suggests to <laughs> me that escape is actually not a far-fetched idea, really, here. I mean, that animal sitting up there now, the
3: angry-looking one, could have escaped via that tree that you just mentioned, Karen, climbed down the tree, <laughs> left the zoo on your wedding day, went to the boat, climbed
2: aboard, and shat.
3: He is totally a definite capable. suspect.
2: Okay, let's go and ask those people over there to get a second opinion.
3: This is really guerrilla
2: podcasting. Sorry, could I just disturb you guys for sure, a second? Sure. Um, do you think, first of all, that these monkeys are capable of escaping this enclosure?
6: We just talked about it. I thought just with a big jump, they, they can do it, I think. Yeah. Climb to yeah. the top and then, whoop, I reckon they could, yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you
3: feel scared? Are you frightened? Terrified. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a safe So There are a lot of children
2: here at risk, in my
5: opinion. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then the second question I'd love to know is, what do you think these characters are like? Could you describe how you think... Obnoxious. I find them obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for uh, your your time. (laughs) No problem. Good luck with the hunt. So that is the Japanese makake. Definite suspect from the primate section. Shall we uh, move on to the next suspect?
3: Oh, Oh, God. God, someone's just been attacked. (laughs) <laughs> and if you're going to commit a crime, it's a great place to do it. Lots of screams. That's a good point. It's like on in Scream when they're watching the Scream movie and then the murder occurs in the theatre. Yeah. Because everyone's screaming at the scary movie anyway. Yeah. And like if there's a suspect or a perpetrator running, 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 running away yeah.
2: from the crime, you wouldn't know because no, they no, blend no. in with the children running no, excitedly exactly. across the pavement. Exactly.
3: No one bats an eyelid when yeah. someone runs at the zoo.
2: Yeah, here we go. We've got a specimen over here. Ooh, found the otters, thank God. <gasps> okay, that was the otter just speaking, listeners. Okay, let me try this. Excuse me. Did you or did you not shit on the floor at our wedding? Remaining strangely silent.
3: Okay, we're in a strange. Interior zoo. It feels quite I'm humid in here and
2: warm. Oh, here, we here we go. Here we go. Here the the lemurs. Here they are. They look very dodgy. Oh, we've got faecal matter.
1: we
2: just deposited right there. So we just got some faecal matter hitting the ground. Um, it's. It looks a bit goosey. It looks a bit goose poopy. I'm not sure it's gonna. it's got the substance um, of what we had described from the witness statements. It, it certainly wouldn't be a comedy joke shop turd. This is um, something you'd find in a park. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the way there's a very beady-eyed, fluffy, <coughs> very rotund bird, the size of a football. Very fit. Very fat. Um, just staring at us, not blinking. Um, so in terms of the sort of behaviour... He looks suspicious, features. that's for
3: sure. Yeah, he's. Uh... Okay, let's get away from here, I'm feeling uncomfortable. There is something about this visit that's making me question my approach a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Last night, I don't know if I was feeling cocky because it was, you know, late and I was feeling a bit excited about the zoo, but I really thought I was gonna find a way to communicate with the animals. And I've seen none of that today. The animals aren't talking to me, they're not understanding me, they're not listening. They didn't really give a fuck about us. So just to recap, the Japanese macaque uh, has proven to be the most, the most suspicious animal in terms of not only its face and its red embarrassed looking face but also the ability to actually escape yeah. from its enclosure and potentially go to the boat. Yeah.
2: Well I think that's a wrap.
3: Um, yeah, that's a wrap. A I would say that's an unsuccessful wrap. Right, it's time to take our findings from the zoo to a professional.
6: Meet Dr Sarabian. My name is Cécile Sarabian. I'm a cognitive ecologist slash primatologist. And for me, this work started um, in a very weird location on a small island in the south of Japan, a small island called Koshima Island, it's only um, 32 hectares island where two troops of Japanese macaques inhabit. So there are no other human beings on this island, only researchers and Japanese macaques. And so, yeah, our work is to conduct experiments, but also to collect their poo. So to assess their parasite levels of infection. Well, I knew that you'd
3: recommended us for us to go and look at the Japanese macaque. But I wasn't aware at that time that you, you know, had this really strong experience with this particular species. I mean, you'd specialised in not only this animal, um, but its response to faecal matter. So we, you know, imagine our surprise when we've just spent a day at the zoo and we've really gone through every animal. We even interviewed some um, passers-by and we decided that the Japanese macaque was by far the most suspicious animal just purely down to their behavior, but also the way that they kind of lined themselves up in a detective lineup, and were kind of very cocky towards us. And, and it was just very clear that they had been involved in the crime. If, if it was an animal, it was definitely the Japanese macaque.
6: <laughs> okay, so I think if we, if we take all the evidence that uh, you have shared with me. Um, so first, for those Japanese macaques getting out of their enclosure and out of the zoo, Uh, I've seen water around uh, their block of rocks inside their enclosure. But I would say that although Japanese macaques are capable of swimming, they usually don't like it much. The
3: water that you um, explained is really only a couple of meters, maybe three meters wide. And I did see a sign at the zoo that said they sometimes like to go in when it's hot. Um, And I do believe that there'd just been a heatwave in Amsterdam prior to the wedding. So it would make sense that that water around the cage had started heating up and they really felt the need to maybe go for a swim. Um, And on top of that, there are some trees inside the enclosure that almost meet with the trees outside the enclosure. So, I mean, I would say, without knowing anything about zoos or animals, that it looks pretty risky,
6: my main argument to rule out the Japanese macaque here um, is that I think all the noise and all the people on the boat would have distressed them.
3: Would we not say that, you know, a group of animals from inside a zoo, a very, very, to a lot of noise, particularly children related noise, which is the worst type of noise. So I feel like it, uh, them going to a party on a boat would actually be less offensive and less overwhelming than being in a zoo.
6: I think the main the main question here would still be what what would have attracted them inside uh, the boat. They don't need to seek for food. They are provisioned with food. So, yeah, why would they take the risk to leave the zoo? That is a very good question. There
3: might have been some food that was on the boat that they just weren't able to access within the zoo enclosure. What is their favourite food?
6: They are fond of peanuts. What if
3: I was to tell you that there were peanuts on the boat? (laughs) A lot of peanuts.
6: More than there would be at the zoo. I think, though, as they are still primary I mean, it's like as their sense of smell is not that developed to smell them from that far away. I think that that would be um, maybe a bit, a bit too too far for them to to be able to detect that. You've done
3: a very good job defending them. And if this does go to trial, then um, I think you'd make a good lawyer for the Japanese macaques. They're very lucky to have you on their side. I think it's safe to say that I've just embarrassed myself in front of a forensic scientist and the world's leading cognitive ecologist.
2: Okay, so newsflash and super strange piece of timing. I almost don't believe it either, but I promise you this just happened today. I just received a call completely out of the blue from one of the other entertainers that we hired at our wedding. This person knew the entertainer, the man with the brown stained shoes, who I awkwardly called earlier. And basically, got to be a little bit vague about how I say this, but this other man was aware of the complaint uh, I made about the entertainer's behaviour on our wedding day um, and the complaints many of our guests made about him. And turns out that he's actually looking to take some legal action against the entertainer. uh, And he's asked me to file a report with the police or to file a character statement um, because he's basically, there's been lots of other instances where he's upset people and they're looking to basically sort this out. So can't really say much more than that. Uh, But turns out that the entertainer, is a bit more of a dubious character than we originally thought. I'll tell you what, the number of dubious
3: characters who attended this wedding seems to be growing by the second.
1: Coming up next on Who Shat on the Floor at My Wedding.
3: Is Karen the person who shat on the floor at her own wedding?
1: I never thought she would be able to do something like this. She's definitely done things like that before, 100%. What if our entire marriage is built on a lie? Karen Whitehouse, welcome to
3: your interrogation.
5: Hold up.